Hello and welcome. My name is Shanna Whitaker with Saltbox Church, and we are so excited you found us and are carving out some time for King Jesus. So I invite you to put your phones down, your to-do list away, and open your hearts to receive the Word of God. You know, Michael, from time to time, he and I talk, and he called and said, I'd really like to, uh, uh, we're going to take a little break in February, and would you preach? And so during that time, I was reading a book called Necessary Endings, and it was right before the end of the year, and Diane, my wife, and I were both looking at just some things that we could do for the new year. We were looking at our own lives. We always do a little bit of introspection there, and and we always think about, you know, what is God going to do in the next season? I'm sneaking up on being 70 years old. Come on, that's worth a clap right there. (laughs) 70, baby. I'm headed that way. I'll be there next month. So, you know, you just start thinking like, good night, that used to be old, that's not old. Used to be, used to be really old, like, oh my gosh, you're 70, well, yeah, I am. So you start thinking about things and you start considering, you know, what's the rest of my life going to look like here? Because I'm not finished. I'm not done. Can't do what I used to, can't dunk a basketball, used to, can't do that now can't really play tennis anymore the you know that movement's not really good can't play racquetball last time I played racquetball I pulled a muscle in my calf so I said you yeah, know I'm good I'm out I gotta go I wasn't but 60 then so I don't know what the heck I can't do it now so but in the midst of all the looking and all that time and when he called and I, and I was reading some things and I realized, oh my gosh, this is something that could really speak to a lot of people. So we began to think about it and I began to really process this. And so I titled this Grow Up. And that's not like grow up. It's not that. It's like let's grow up together. Let's do some things differently. Let's live differently than the people around us. Let's kind of grow into maturity in the Lord. Let's begin to grow and begin to do some things that are going to have a real impact in the kingdom. Because quite honestly, I want the last half of my life to be really significant. I really want to make a difference. And to do that, I can't live the way I've been currently living in, or rather in the past. There were things once I met Jesus that had to change. There were some things that had to grow up, that I had to grow up in. So because of that, as Christians, I want to give you just a picture that provides a backdrop for what I think we're supposed to look at today. You know, we live as Christians under what's called the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God is the, it's, it's defined real simply as God is the supreme ruler and lawgiver of the entire universe. You don't even have to believe that. It's still true. You don't even have to embrace that. You don't have to go with that. But I have based my entire life, and I know thousands and millions of Christians who believe that is true. And because he's the supreme ruler and lawgiver, that really says that he has, he has our life under his control. 
He is watching over our life. I saw a thing on Facebook that went around last week that was a video, and I don't know who did it. I think somebody at the last uh, huge conference at the large church in Chicago, they do this big leadership thing. I think it's called Leadership Summit. And one of the speakers was talking about sovereignty, and it's just, it's funny, because when you start preparing for a sermon, stuff will just suddenly show up. It's like God says, here, you need this. Here, you might want to give them this. Here, this might be helpful. And so I just opened it up, and there was this person. She said, you know, sovereignty is like this. She said, I ran into a friend who was going for a job interview, and she said, how do you feel? And he said, I'm good. She said, how can you be good? You're going to the biggest interview of your life. And he said, that's okay. God's sovereign. He's got it. In fact, he's so good, I can't even mess it up. He's so sovereign that I can't mess it up. She said, what do you mean by that? He said, well... If I get the job, good. If I don't get it, that's good. If I have a bad day, good. If I have a good day, well, that's good. Because, see, in his sovereignty, he is watching over everything. So whatever you think you've done in your life to mess it up, you haven't. He has you. He has us. And he is sovereign over our lives. And so once we get comfortable with that then we'll realize that not only is he sovereign, but he also is orchestrating life around us according to the purposes of his will and not ours. So he's orchestrating life on a regular basis. He is causing things to happen. He is protecting us from things. He is keeping us from things, and he is putting stuff right in front of us so that his will can get accomplished and we will be fulfilled because the most fulfilling place you can have in this life is living right in the center, the dead center of God's will. That's where you're really going to find fulfillment. And I'm speaking to those of you who maybe aren't 70. Maybe you're a little younger, maybe a lot younger. Maybe you could be younger than my children. I want to tell you, there's nothing more fulfilling than following Jesus. There is nothing more fulfilling than living in the middle of his will and his plan for your life. Nothing. Nothing. No job, no money, no nothing, no power, no influence, no being a big deal. None of that will fulfill you. There's a deep longing in every person that only God can fill. Nothing can feel that, like the love, and God, the love of Jesus. Well, you know, he has a plan for your life. And sometimes that plan is seen, and sometimes it's not. R.C. Sproul wrote in, and this was in that little video, and I stole it from them. It says, God's sovereignty, R.C. Sproul's a theologian, lives down south in, I think, Florida, God's sovereignty is the pillow on which Christians rest their head at night, giving assurance that even in the chaos of life, there is an eternal plan unfolding. He has a plan for your life. And his plan is designed to do two things, honor him and fulfill us. And so those plans sometimes don't always match, though. And that's what I want to talk about today, because sometimes... His plans are not necessarily my plans. And so in Ephesians, it talks about, Paul is writing to the, to the letter of Ephesians. It's a 
chapter 1, verse 11. It says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. David, put that slide up, please. That's the second one. We have obtained an inheritance. You see, in Jesus, there is a custom-made plan for your life. And that plan is specific for you. It won't work for other people. What God has planned for me, he doesn't have planned for Michael. But he has planned for me. Then when he brought my wife into my life, he has a plan for us. So he has a specific plan. And then the greater thing about it is that it says that he has working, he is working everything according to the counsel of his will. He's working everything out according to his plan. So sometimes my plan doesn't match his plan. Remember in the garden when Jesus was headed to his imminent death of giving his life, he said, Father, not my will but yours be done. That should be the prayer of most of our lives all the time. Not my will but your will be done. Part of working and living in the fulfillment that he wants is having his will done. Now, there is one practice, and this is where we're getting into where we're headed today. There's one practice or discipline you have to get used to in order to continue to grow. There's one thing that if you normalize this particular practice that we're going to talk about, if you do this and get familiar with it, you will grow. If you resist this practice that we're going to talk about, your growth will stop. Last summer, I was on a trip. Went to Myrtle Beach with my family. My daughter brought some of her, brought her boys up, some of our grandkids, not all of them. And while we were on this trip, this, this, the weirdest thing started happening. I was, uh, got on an elevator, and there was a quarter. So I picked it up. I was like, oh, nobody here. I'll take it. <laughs> we go to, the, to a restaurant. <clears throat> there was seven cents laying beside the cash register. More coins. Is this yours? The guy said, nope, you can have them. Okay. The next day, I went out, and uh, we were somewhere else, and there were some more uh, coins laying there, and I started getting kind of weird about this because I, suddenly, and then I, suddenly I was thinking, why am I finding all these coins? So we were in a swimming pool. I was, and just kind of chilling out, hat, you know, sunglasses, minding my own business, my three-year-old grandson named Cody comes running. Granddaddy, granddaddy, come here. Granddaddy, granddaddy. And I thought he was in trouble. He says, will you hold this for me? It was a dime. So I said, yeah, where'd you find this? He goes, over there, keep it for me. Okay, put it in my pocket. I'm in, I'm in the pool in the deep end. He runs around. So now... About my third or fourth day, I started asking the Lord. I was sitting on the balcony, and I said, what's up with all these coins? What, why am I finding all this money? And he said, yeah, what is that? What do you call it? I said, it's just a bunch of change. 
He said, right. You get it? It's a bunch of change. That's the practice you have to master if you're going to grow. You have to learn how to change. You have to do it well. Now, some of you are twitching right now. I know that. <laughs> I can't. I've been doing it this way for 43 years. But to really grow, to honest to goodness grow in the kingdom, grow in your faith, grow in this life, we all have to change. It's a key component. The word change is defined as replace something with something else, especially when, with something that is newer or better. Another definition is to do something different. And I want to tell you, on a regular basis, as long as you follow Jesus, he's going to ask you to change. He's going to do that because change always has growth in it. Do you know a rose bush always produces more buds than the plant can handle? And if you don't prune them, none of them will really look like they're supposed to look. Some of them have to be pruned in order for the growth of the others to really come to their fulfillment. God will change things and cause you to have to do without some things because he's got a greater plan. Remember, he has a plan. And sometimes his changing of things is so the plan that he has can come to fruition. So part of, part of life is just understanding that there is change that will take place on a regular basis. Let me just have a little show of hands. I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but in the last three months, any, have, who of you have had any kind of change in your life in the last three months? Look at that. Probably half the room. Could be a job, could be a relationship, could be a small group, could be a church, could be an attitude, could be anything. So the Lord tells me on the balcony, yeah, it's change. And I started asking, I said, well, what exactly are we talking about here? <laughs> so I get home and I work in a private practice right now doing pastoral care and counseling. And I decided on that trip that I was going to take a day, a complete day out of my schedule, you know, because I'm sneaking up on 70 and can't do what I used to, don't have the capacity, which is really kind of true. So I took a day out, and so now I'm only working two and a half days. And in the midst of that, there were some changes at our office. There were some other therapists that are not at our office now. I hated that. There were some changes in the software. I'm, we're on our third platform of how we submit electronic notes because of HIPAA. So I've learned three new softwares. I feel like brilliant. And it's like they said, yeah, we're going to use this now. I said, that's awesome. I just learned the last one. Yes. So forget that. Don't need that. No, let's do another one. Oh, my gosh. Can we just slow this down? Change. The Lord told me it was going to be different. He told me it was going to be different. He said, yeah, some things are changing. 
Let me tell you what, I love the one I'm using right now. I hope we'll get to use it for a while <laughs> because I really like it. But in the old days, prior to thinking about changes, man, I would have still been whining about that. I would have still been telling people, you can't believe what they're doing at my office. I would still be complaining. I'd be telling everybody, hey, I'm Jim. Let me tell you about some changes that are happening that I can't stand. Oh my gosh. So I was reading this book. I'm reading this book, Necessary Endings. And an ending is where you stop something in order to start something new. That's what an ending is. You're stopping something in order to start something new. See, the way real change happens is there's awareness, there's an ending, and then there's a starting of something different. There's like three stages. I'm just going to talk today about that middle one, about the endings, because that's so critical. Henry Cloud wrote the book, and this was in the preface of the book, if you'll notice on the screen. Today may be the enemy of your tomorrow. In your business and perhaps your life, the tomorrow you desire and envision may never come to pass if you do not end some things you're doing today. That's a huge statement. Endings are a natural part of the universe, and your life and business must face them, or it will stagnate and perhaps die. Some of you are facing some things that you probably need to end. Because, see, endings are just a normal part of life. Change is a normal part of life. So... With that in mind, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and we're going to begin right there. I want to give you three concepts that will help you normalize change. Because here's the thing, if you don't see change as normal, you will resist it at every level. Let me say that again. If you do not see change as a normal and, in fact, a good thing, you will resist it. Change, someone called change a, a painful gift. It's a painful gift. It's painful in that sometimes we like what we're doing. Sometimes it's really exciting. But sometimes there are some things that need to end. And if you don't see that as normal, you will resist it. And especially when God begins to come visit. So look at uh, chapter 3, Ecclesiastes. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, there's a time to die. A time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted. Time to kill, time to heal. There's a time to break down and a time to build up. Time to weep, a time to laugh, time to mourn, a time to dance. And it goes all the way down through verse 9. Time to love, a time to hate, time for war, and a time for peace. It's really important that you embrace the fact that there are seasons in your life and there are seasons in all that you do. 
and there are like a starting and a stopping of some things, and that is not something to be resisted, but something to be embraced. We decided uh, a couple years ago that we were going to become farmers. So we did what you do now. Like my dad was not a farmer, but he had a big garden. He had a, he had a bunch of stuff. So I decided we were going to have a farm with three tomato plants and a cucumber plant. <laughs> we're getting it, man. The first cucumber, I said, do you realize that that's like a $60 cucumber? <laughs> we bought all this soil. We bought pots. We bought cages. We bought stuff to put it in the ground. We bought amendments for the soil. We were just watering it on like clockwork. And that, you know, we bought this one thing, these Cherry tomatoes are called sweet 100s. I never got 100 tomatoes off of that. I, yeah, the second year, you know what happened? It was a time to tear up. And I walked out of there. I had prayed over these plants. I'd say, God bless these tomatoes, please. But there's a time and a place. And I said, you know, I'm going to start going to Biggers to get my tomatoes. This is not working. We weren't called to tomatoes, I don't guess. So the ones we got, honest to goodness, were pretty good. But there was just a time for that to be over. <laughs> so listen to this. If there are some things in your life right now that seem to be ending and you are fighting to keep it from happening, I have a, three words for you. Let them go. Let them go. If there's some things God has his hand on, and it's just not life-giving like it was, it's not doing what it needs to do in your life, see, life is supposed to be headed toward God's purposes, and I can tell you, that purpose always has life in it. And you could be fighting to hold on to something that he's trying to take away. One of the biggest changes that took place in our life and my wife and I was last December, we went to the leadership of a church that we were attending and we'd been there for uh, 13 years, 12 years, something like that. I'd been on staff there. But we felt like the Lord was saying that we were supposed to come and be a part of Saltbox. Like, you guys are my church now. I don't know if you know that, but we are now attending here. I'm excited. I'm, like, really excited, actually. This is my excited face. So I'm really excited. But I want to tell you, I had a really good conversation with um, the pastor of the other church. It was Life Church here in Wilmington. And I shared with him, I said, I just feel like some changes are happening. They're difficult because we had lots of relationships. We still have those relationships. We haven't left anybody. We haven't moved. We're not mad. But it just was a change that God is trying to do. And we made the decision. We made it in mid-December. 
we are here and I am just over the moon about what God's doing. I feel so different because we were willing to do something hard because God showed us a bunch of coins at Myrtle Beach and said some change is coming and now I come here and I suddenly we're a member of another church. I'm sitting in a connect class that I used to have a big part of in the other church. I used to help with that thing and now here I am doing it. Change. It was a season. That's what I want you to see. And I want you to start looking at your life right now as that it has seasons in it. And some seasons have really good life in it, and some seasons are really hard because they're designed to help us learn some things. Nevertheless, life has seasons in it. Listen to this. If God removes someone from your life, or if he takes a circumstance or a situation from your life, it's because that person or that situation has finished their purpose in your life. Life Church taught me about grace. Tim Blevins taught me about grace. And I needed it. But that was a season and coming here, I know there's another season. We're beginning a new season here. And if you fight what God is trying to remove, you're going to miss the benefit of the new season. We went from tomatoes to the deep end pretty quick right there. <laughs> it's a new season, and it's a good thing. So if you're trying to breathe life into something that God is trying to take, you need to stop that. If you're trying to manage something that God is trying to take and, and get rid of, you need, to not, you need to stop fighting that. You may have a work situation. Some of you who are business owners, you may have an employee that is helping, you know, but they're not, they're not pushing the company forward. You may have to have a real crucial conversation with that person because the, the future of your business depends on everybody pushing in the same direction. If you're avoiding something that God may be trying to change, run toward the change. Run toward the change because it has good in it. It always has good in it, even though it could be painful. Second normalization concept. The first one is accept that you have seasons. The second one, we have to accept in this life we have limited understanding. And here's, look at Isaiah 55. And here's what I mean by limited understanding. In Isaiah, the prophet was writing and you can, let's go up to verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Now listen to this. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
we have to embrace that. And for those of us who love to know the plan, for those of us who love to know what God is going to do, and for those of us who really want it to be like, give me a straight path. I remember sitting in, in a, uh, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, sometimes you're up here and there's stuff flashing through. <laughs> Fortunately, you don't see it. But I want to give you an example of this limited understanding and for those of us who need a straight path. I'm a straight path guy. I'm sitting in a, a, a vineyard leadership training. I was part of the, the vineyard leadership team. I was, on a, you know, I was on a team that oversaw the southeast, and we're sitting with this guy. In fact, the guy who was teaching was Johnny Christ, and his son John Christ is a comedian. I, we, I knew John before he was all that. So his dad is talking, and he's, he's giving us all this information. And finally, you know, I'm in the room with the national president of the vineyard or the leader and all these people, and I finally said, Johnny, we just need a straight path, man. Would you just tell us what you want us to do? He just kind of looked at me. He said, well, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Because those of us in this culture who are used to living, you know, successful, productive lives and we're used to doing lots of big things, we want to know the whole plan. We want to know it now. And I've got to tell you that sometimes he lets us see and understand and sometimes he doesn't. You have to get used to seeing that as normal. Because if you see it as normal, you won't bump into changes and it wreck your whole day or wreck your whole month. You have to see it as normal. We have limited understanding. I was talking with someone the other day in the, at O2 in, at the gym and um, we were he was asking me, he said, hey, I heard you're going to preach. Yeah, I'm going to preach. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, oh, well, I'm going to talk about change. And he said, yeah, I somebody gave me a verse or, or a, a saying in counseling. It said, blessed are the flexible for they don't get as bent out of shape. <laughs> you can have that. That's free. <laughs> blessed are the flexible because you have to remember that sometimes our plan doesn't match his plan. And when you don't get used to changes and you don't get used to seeing it as normal, it will just keep you from growing because his fulfillment for you is over here in the thing he's trying to push you toward. And if you're not allowing him to direct your path, then you're going to effectively stop growing here because his anointing is over there. His anointing for you is where he's trying to take you. His anointing, if some of you have made church changes, you can stay in a church longer than you're supposed to and God will bless you there. But if you're looking for that dead center perfect will where there's an abundance of blessing, you need to go where he has you, where he wants you to go. You have to follow that. You have to be comfortable with that and allow that to happen. You have to normalize that. 
Third thing about, um, about this is you have to accept regular pruning. Pruning should be normal in your life. Pruning should be normal in your life. Look at John 15. This is one of those sections that, you know, pretty much everybody knows it. My Bible just falls open to it. I am the true vine, John 15, 1, and my Father is the vine dresser. Now notice this verse. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And then he goes on to talk about you're clean if you abide in me. You're, and then in verse 4, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is the one that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you could do nothing. I think it's interesting at the very beginning in this verse, he talks about two kinds of branches, the ones that bear fruit and the ones that don't. Both of them get messed with. You need to take that in. He, God is going to tweak your life. God is going to, at times, prune things. Sometimes he'll have you in a place and sometimes he'll move you from that. Sometimes you'll have responsibilities, and then other times you'll be doing something different. That's because he is pruning for the kingdom is a normal thing. It's what growth comes out of. Pruning always has a purpose. Pruning is for further growth and maturity. Pruning is the Holy Spirit's way of letting us see what will get us in the dead center of his will. So if you're fighting him pruning something in you, please allow it to happen because it prepares you for your future. He typically prunes three things on a regular basis. He will prune relationships, he will prune attitudes and actions, and he will prune life circumstances. He will do that. He, he has no problem just waltzing in and then, you know, someone said, you know how they use Hebrew words for God, for, you know, for God and they'll say Jehovah Nisi and Jehovah Shalom. And Je well, somebody called him Jehovah Sneaky. <laughs> because what he does is he'll just have coins like laying around your vacation. And instead of just saying, I need to talk to you about your changes, he'll just kind of let things happen. Well, part of that, begin to notice the things that God's doing in your life. Begin to notice when a relationship might be changing. Our relationships are supposed to be life-giving. Relationships are supposed to be a, a giving and a receiving. They're never to just have taking in them. I know none of you have had this, but I've had some relationships that have been all-taking. And where I've been the one that's just been giving and giving and giving and giving and there's no reciprocal. At some point, you have to ask, is this pushing me toward the things of the kingdom? Is this pushing me toward all that God has for me?
You know, relationships will change because they're not furthering his plan. Check this out. In Acts 15, Paul was with Barnabas, and it said, After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city. It's not on the screen. It's Acts 15, 36. Let's return and visit these brothers. Barnabas wanted to take John called Mark with them, but Paul thought best to take with them, to not take the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And then in my notes, I highlighted this. It says, and there arose a sharp disagreement, so they separated from each other. Paul and Barnabas, who had been traveling and doing all this stuff, and now they're separating. These guys were best buds. These guys had done a lot together. They had done a lot of things, and now there's a, a disagreement that is so severe that they are going to split up. And it says, Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended, and he went to Syria and Cilicia. These boys separated over a disagreement. Or, or God was pruning. Or God was saying, no, I need you to take Silas and go over here. No, I need you, Barnabas, to take Mark and go over here. He doubled the work. See, his plan is to cover more ground there. Paul and Barnabas could have never done all that the four of them did. So you have to see that that is a pruning in a relationship. And I dare say that some of you probably have some relationships that God is probably trying to do a deeper work both in you and them. And walking out of it for a season could increase growth in both of you. But you have to be willing to keep, as we sang at the very beginning, here I stand, wide open, hearts and hands wide open, giving it all to you. We have to stand in that place of surrender because sometimes he'll just walk in and begin to just cause us to look at those relationships. Some of you have been in small groups and other activities in some churches that for a season it was really good. It was just awesome. But then suddenly it took a turn. Could have been a conflict. Could have been something mishandled. But whatever it was, that could really be God doing a pruning and causing growth for you that will not occur if you stay in it. Relationships. Another thing he prunes are attitudes and actions. He will prune those things. Colossians 3, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. This is Colossians 3, 8. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire. And then it says, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Put it away. That's a pruning. That's a pruning. I grew up in a sports world. I was mouthy. It was part of the deal. And at one point when I met Jesus, God just began to talk to me about my mouth. 
Diane and I made a rule in our home that sarcasm was not allowed, and if either of us were sarcastic with the other one, we could call them out and say, that's not allowed. Because, see, the problem with sarcasm is it's a way to say something without being responsible for it. And it's almost always a sign of hidden anger. So we just decided, well, that's not going to work here. You know, it's like when I say, oh, are we having that again? What am I really saying? I don't want that. Well, just say that. So when Paul says here, put those aside, that's what maturity looks like. It's allowing God to confront you about attitudes and actions and things that are going on in your life. Um, I think it was Thursday. I was in Harris Teeter, my favorite place. They're the best salmon there, by the way, and tuna. So I was in there, and I was uh, I ran into someone from our previous church. You know, when you leave a place, you want to be missed. You know what I mean? You know, it just feels good to be missed. Like, oh, wow, you're not there. I'm so sorry. Well, so this person said something other than, oh, wow, we're going to miss you. <laughs> and, oh, gosh, I left there. I was mad. It's like I gave 14 years of blood, sweat, and tears. Do you all know I put up pipe and drape in this room for five years? Five years. All of this. I helped with all of this. Diane and I did chairs forever. <laughs> and this person, I helped take this stage apart. You unscrew it right there. The legs come off. Out the door. I know where all that goes. So I just wanted to be missed. And this person was less than gracious. And I got in the car and the Lord said, why is that bothering you? Why is that bothering you? I said, did you hear that? Why is that bothering you? I said, I guess I, I just want a stroke on my back. I just want to feel special. He said, you are special. And I'm sending you to the salt box. Embrace that. Because there's a lot of good that's going to come over there in your life. Man. Man, Jehovah Sneaky. <laughs> I thought I was going there to get one thing, and I came back with more than I bargained for. <laughs> but that's a pruning. I'm just telling you guys, that's how this stuff works. I've been walking with Jesus for 50 years. 50 years. I'm telling you, if you don't cooperate with pruning, you will not get all that you couldn't have. Last thing he prunes is life circumstances. Sometimes he will visit and cause you to have to make a change. I mean a big change. Genesis 12.1, the Lord said to Abram, I love this verse. It's like, man, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land. I will show you and I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you, make your name great so that you will be a blessing I'll bless those who bless you, and those who dishonor you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. What if he liked where he lived? 
You ever think about that? You ever think about that? What if he had said, you know, God, I'm good back here, man. These people, they love me. I'm good. God says, I want you to get all your family, all your possessions, everything, and I just need you to go west. I'm not even going to tell you where. All right. I guess. I guess I'll do it. Can you imagine the conversation at home? Honey, you need to start packing. Well, where are we going? Well, west. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, and, and get the kids, and I'll start working on the animals and talk to the in-laws because they're supposed to come too. Do y'all feel that? Do you feel how crazy that sounds? But you got to remember, when you're connected to a God that has a plan, he doesn't, remember I said, he doesn't always show us. He doesn't always show us. The third church I pastored was with Steve, Michael's father, and some others, and it was the vineyard. I called it the church of my dreams. So there was a church in Greensboro, and that church had a... Uh, had a pastor who had made some mistakes and made some bad choices. So the vineyard asked some of us to go up there and preach. And so I was going on up. My father lived in West Virginia at the time. I was going up there to, to uh, paint and do some work for him. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll preach on the way up. So I drove to Greensboro, went in there, preached. I'm leaving, and the Lord said, this is your new church. I said, no, it's not. My church is in Wilmington. Remember, that's the church of my dreams. Things were working there. Steve was a great preacher. He still is. Groups were working. People were getting healed. We were seeing people come to the Lord. We were growing. People parking up on South College Road. It was just exciting. And I go to this church in Greensboro. I preach, doing my being nice. Jehovah's Sneaky showed up again. He said, yeah, this is your new church. I said, no, it's not. Diane calls us, so how'd it go today? I said, oh, it was good. It was good. That's it? It was good? I said, well, yeah, it was good. And then we started talking, and the next thing you know, we're moving to Greensboro. Because God had a plan. And he did a work in us there that he couldn't have done here. Even though I thought this was the church of my dreams. Now the church of my dreams is the body of Christ. It's not one. This is a great church. I love this church. I really want to stay in this one. I love this one. I love this church. <laughs> I really do. We do. We do. So here's four final thoughts on this process. Remember, we're talking about accept that there are life cycles and seasons. Accept that there's limited understanding. And lastly, accept that there is pruning. It will happen. These are just like four things that if you were in my office as a counselor, I would say, think about these. Number one, guard your heart. It's easy to get an attitude when God's trying to change something you love. So just guard your heart.
Proverbs says, out of it flow all the issues of life. So guard your heart. Don't get an attitude when something really, really wonderful is changed. Because I can tell you, the second one, I'll tell you in a second. Don't personalize the change and take them as rejection. If God brings or takes someone out of your life, or they decide that they need to do something different, don't personalize that. It's easy to take that as rejection. It might be God saving you from a whole lot of trouble. It could be God doing something greater. If you've had a big life change, if you've had a job change, or if jobs, job issues are there, it may be God preparing you for the future and keeping you in a good place and protecting you. So don't fight for something that may poison you. Third thing, resist looking back and longing for the way it used to be. Oh, my gosh. Jesus, what do you mean you don't want me to do that? What do you mean? You know, we were at Life Church for a long time. We had owned property. We were going to build down by the point. That didn't happen. After the pandemic, the cost of building doubled. We changed that. We did all this stuff. We've got a brand new building out on Oleander. It's beautiful. God says, good job. I wanted you to stay, but now I want you to move. Resist looking for the way it used to be. And the last one, God-directed change is always better. You can ask my wife, every time we have obeyed him, it, is, it has been better. Every stinking time. He did stuff in us in Greensboro that he could not have done here. He did stuff in us at life that now he's, that this is going to be better. So I want to encourage you, even though in your flesh you might say, I don't like change. Well, it's kind of like, oh, well, it's going to happen. Allow him to do the work and thank him for the changes that have already occurred that maybe have been out of your hands. You know, right now I'm talking to about six pastors in my practice and they're all in places of change. But every single one of them have to learn to separate their calling from their job. Because I may not be pastoring a church, but it's still in me. Because it's a calling. And some of you may have had job changes but his calling is still inside you, and I want you to embrace that. So don't see changes as he's disappointed in you. He's no longer pleased with how you're working. No longer this is, no, he's working and orchestrating a large plan. Remember, his ways are not like ours. So I want us to have all the fulfillment that we're supposed to have in Jesus. So I want to invite you to stand and the worship team can come back out. And I want to pray for you for one thing. And those of you who are on the prayer team, if you'll slip up uh, right now. 
I just want to pray for you if you've had a change. And some of you are thinking about stuff even now. So let's pray. And then um, you can come up for individual prayer if you would like. Father, I pray right now for all of my friends in this room that are have experienced some change that's confusing. And maybe you're trying to take some things and they're holding on. Lord, I pray that you'd give them the courage to hold loosely what you're trying to take. Lord, some of us have been through some change and we don't know the next step. You've only said go. I pray for the courage to trust you and to know how to wait and to know how to let you do what you want to do. God, help us learn from you what we need to do and what you want. And lastly, Lord Jesus, I pray for my friends that if you are speaking to them about something, give them ears to hear what the Spirit's saying, saying to them. Help them to hear that. Lord, we gladly ask you to change our lives according to your plan because I know every good and perfect gift comes down from you. And we trust you. And we do give you our heart and life. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen and amen. God bless you guys.
Father God, we just thank you and we praise you that you are alive and you are at work in our lives and you love us and we can trust you and you love us and things are going to be hard and we're going to face challenges and changes and you love us and you're sovereign and we can trust you. God, I pray as everyone leaves today, God, may we understand more about who you are and be prepared for those changes in our lives and be prepared for those moments where things don't go according to our plans, that you would be glorified in us by our ability to be flexible, our ability to be humble, God, that you can begin a new work in us as we faithfully let go of where we've been and what we've known. And we can trust you to make up the difference. <laughs> in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening today and being part of the Saltbox online community. If we can pray for you in any way, please leave us a comment below or connect with us through saltboxchurch.com. Remember, just Jesus, nothing more, nothing less.